Film episode 151 of the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, COB. And this week we're joined by. Joke you, Olivia. Oh, was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be joined by Olivia too. <laughs> I'm glad the guests introduced ourselves. Oh, it is? Yeah. 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 Um, my name is Olivia O'Toole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> got there at the end, didn't yeah. it? I Olivia. thought you would have been used to this by now, Olivia. No, I thought like the queue was you saying my name and I say hello. <laughs> Come here, how's things? How are you? All good, Terrence, all good. Yeah. It's good to be here, good to be talking to us. Yeah, it's great to have yeah, you for coming thanks in. Thanks for coming mm. in. We've wanted you in for a long time, Olivia, and I'm always coming up, always coming up. Yeah, so yeah. It's great to be finally sitting down with you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Come here, you were meant to be here last night, but you were up at a game. Yeah, I was up at the girls' last game in the north. Yeah. Playing against uh, Northern Ireland, and I had to go because I'd been to every one of the games pre-World uh, Cup, so this was the last game. And the game last week were a bit iffy because we only beat Hungary 1-0, mm. and it was a known goal. I actually didn't think the girls turned up in that game, but the motivation they got for last night was people telling them that there was no motivation, there was no you know, togetherness and and I was glad that I went because I actually thought the Northern Ireland would have given them a game and he did for the first 25, 27 minutes but after that Ireland started playing the football and Kate McKay scored an absolute worldy. Oh my God, never seen that like in my life. I've seen it. That was mm. on a week of foot as well. A week of foot. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, like, you have to treasure people like this, like girls like that, that can play like that. She's a world-class player. Mm. She's not just an ordinary Joseph. Mm. You know, and, and the girls around her is rubbing off her because I can see the progress. Like Izzy Atkins left for for Ireland, 19 years of age. A bit iffy, like coming into the World Cup last uh, during the year, but now she's stand up. That's her own position now. So you can see the difference in the girls as they're progressing. But that tends to happen, doesn't it? When yeah, you're, yeah. When you're with a world class player, yeah, yeah. yeah. they want to get up, up to her level. You know, then that's that's your uh, goal. You want to get up to the highest level. Come here, are you mm. proud of the girls, Olivia? Absolutely. See, as I said to uh, Calvin earlier, I says, I never thought I'd been around for to see the women, never mind the men, the women, going to a World Cup. Mm. And when it happened, like, I was doing interviews and I was getting emotional when I was speaking about it because I never thought it happened in my lifetime. And then getting the opportunity to go and see them in Australia, playing in a World Cup, it was just mind-boggling. I was going to a World Cup to see the girls where I went to the Euros to watch the bias. Mm. And I never thought I'd have went to another World Cup or a Euros to see any of them. Yeah. And when I got to see the girls like in the World Cup, best three weeks of my life, just sort of football and meeting friends. We still meet friends now that we met over there, you know, so. But I have to say a thank you to Vera Pa because she did get us there. Whatever happened to her in the association, that's their own business. But I'd like to thank her personally for getting the girls to a World Cup and for letting me fulfil my dream of going and seeing a World Cup and my own country. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, that's the thing, that's what it means, isn't it? It's yeah. more than just a game. And no. I, I say it's, isn't it? it's like the knock-on effect that's going to have and the legacy that's going to leave then, isn't it? Exactly, the, the legacy the all these girls is going to leave. Like every time I go to a game, the girls and boys, they're getting younger and younger mm. to look at them and they're all their idols like Rusha and... Jamie Finn, they're all like little girls' idols and these girls watching these, these are the next generation going to come up. Mm. And please God, by doing that and 
getting the exposure and getting letting everyone see. We'd be going to Euros and World Cups every three, four years, you know. So yeah. that's what you want. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mm. And as well, along with that, when you have someone like Katie McCabe, who's a huge star now, like yeah. she's not just an unbelievable player and a world class no. player, she's now becoming a huge star, yeah. especially over in Ireland. Like she she's adored. Yeah. And by people like Katie coming in, like it rises everything. I'm sure revenue and stuff like that can possibly go up for them. For, for for the women's teams and like when you have people like that in there it just brings everything up yeah like I mean like before the World Cup you'd probably get a thousand Kate McCabe's jersey so now you're getting five and six thousand you know yeah. and I just looked there at the Barcelona the the sales and their jerseys and the third one is Bomati the World Cup uh, player she's the third biggest selling jersey in, in Spain do you know what I mean? So the, that's from the exposure that's getting, mm, yeah. you know. So, and Alex Pulas as well, world's uh, the best player in the world. Everybody wants our jersey. Everybody wants our boots, and you know. So, and usually it's it's want Messi's boots, wants Ronaldo's. Yeah. Now it's the boys and girls. They want all the girls stuff. Yeah. As you see when you're on the, in a game, you'll see them. Can I have your jersey? It's my birthday, like you know. Mm. But the girls is giving it to them, and that's a momentum for them. Yeah. And every time they look at that jersey, they're like full of pride yeah. go out and play football I want to be like her and it's a connection with the players as well isn't it like before, it's a great connection with the fans and the players yeah. there was no exposure to these players so it's just like no. there's these girls that play for Ireland yeah well done but now it's like no that's such and such yeah. oh, you have whole jersey in my yeah. bedroom do you know what I mean and you start following them on social media or whatever and then you look at that club team and how they're mm. getting on and you have that sort of personal connection oh there you see Kim Kardashian's young fella a young boy he came McCabe's jersey on him at the Arsenal game. Did he really? You know, he had McCabe on the back of his uh, T-shirt. So that's exposure to me with the Kardashians all over the world. Mm. And people not knowing who Katie is saying, what's that jersey? Who's? Whose name is that? And so they're looking her up and, oh yeah, she plays for Arsenal in Ireland. Now I know who she is. You know, so they're in- introducing their kids to who they didn't know. Yeah. You know, so long may it last, long may it last because yeah. For years and years, we've been always second best. Like, I mean, as you know, I played for Ireland and I could sit here for three hours and tell you the horror stories, the hotels we stayed in. And But that was then. Now is the time for anybody, especially people sponsored and get in on the girls because it's only just going to revenue, revenue age of money. Yeah. It's all money now. It's just money, money, money. Plus, it's giving your company good exposure as well. Because yeah. it's not going to stop. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, you can see that. It, it feels like in the last three years, women's football is just shot the roof. Like, mm-hmm. It's like even attendance is at, at games is at the, the Champions League, the final, Barcelona and Lyon women. 90,000. Yeah. <sighs> at a women's game. Never in their life did you think that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. The most I was out playing for Ireland was a friendly in uh, San Diego against the US and there was 20,000 people and I felt the raw of, you know, in my body mm. from the vibes of the people screaming and that was like 20 years ago, 20,000. So like generating and generating, it just keeps on going up and it's never going to go back down. I actually think it's going to take over men's football, women's football. Mm. For the simple reason is it generates more than the men. Look what's to, at the happening, as you said, with the Irish team the last three years. The revenue, the money, mm. everything. It does work. 
Og i samme måde, der er af det England Women's Team, det var mm. pænt af Wembley, and there was a record attendance for dem, was like 73,000. Yeah. And they compared it to 10 years ago, they couldn't get 7. That's right, yeah. They couldn't get, um, like in 2013, they couldn't get 7,000. That's right, they used to... 73,000 or something, did they? They used to play in MK Dance Ground. Yeah, that was the home ground, now they're playing in Wembley. Yeah. So there's the difference. Crazy, you know. It? And there was a bit of history made as well last night. You were saying yeah. I, we didn't actually know this about the national anthem. Oh yeah, the national anthem was the first time ever it's ever been played in Windsor Park. And I, I do a thing when I'm not with the girls. It, the national anthem's on. I'm on the telly, or I'm standing looking at. I'll stand. I stand when I hear my national anthem on the telly, and I'll stand around my mad and Ryan and Lee and all my brothers, because still I don't play for Ireland, but still I get that proud and goosebumps feeling when the national anthem comes on. Mm. And to hear the playing in Windsor Park last night, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And believe it or not, all you could hear all night was the Irish Ireland supporters, like us, the Republic. Mm. Northern Ireland were very subdued. But all you could hear was come on you girls in green. You know, it was brilliant. It was abs- it's a historic occasion. Yes. And that's why I needed to be there. Yeah, that's mad actually when you think about it. Like, do you know what I mean? So when they look back in 20 years' time and it's like the first time a run of in mm. played in Windsor Park was for a, an Irish women's team yeah, yeah. against another Irish women's team. Yeah, brilliant. Know? That's what I was saying. Like the Northern Ireland girls, they played in the Viva and they played their national anthem. No problems, no, no, no politics involved. It's just all football, it's all love. Mm. You know, so just go with the flow and let it happen. Yeah. You know? Right, Olivia, as you mentioned there, you were a footballer for Ireland, one of Ireland's greatest ever footballers, record, goal scorer, everything. Before you got there, tell us what life was like growing up for you, where you're from and what was that like? Well, life was, uh, when I think about it, all I feel, all I see is like happiness, dirt, playing around, having slags. You know, it's, it was always happy, never sad. Uh, the first time I kicked the ball, I was six years of age. I was in, it was called the ball alley, it was in Cherry Street. Mm. And I um, I used to have a ball after school every day, kicking it left foot, right foot, little toe, big toe. That was my motto growing up in my head because your big toe and your little toe, it's the outside of your foot, the inside of your foot. And that's how you play football. And I just started playing and then Hugo Richardson got in contact with me. He says, Olivia, are you interested in playing? And I says, yeah, Hugo, I just want to play football because I used to, go home from school and play on my own because girls didn't play football then, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, I went to Hugo and I started playing about eight years of age under Byers Nines. We played in Fairview and um, he had a little uh, dressing room off for me because I was a girl. Then the Byers, because obviously I couldn't strip in front of the Byers. Mm. And um, they were my days growing up. Like Fairview Park was my domain. This is where I learned my football. And it was only up the road for me. <clears throat> and Hugo says, um, what are you going to do? Because when you're 14, 13, you're going to have to go to a girls' team. And I said, I see when it happens, do you know what I mean? Because there was no girls' teams around. So we, the last game for it, the Sheriff Byers was under 15s. I remember vividly we were playing at Phoenix Park. And I was playing in midfield because I started off in midfield. And I went up for a ball and I, I hit the ball, but I hit the fella in the nose and his nose busted. But on Jordan the Millie, like, you know, making sure he's all right, they found out I was a girl. And they wanted me off the pitch. And I was like, you go, what are they afraid of? I'm a girl. They're biased. They're supposed to be better than me. You know, I actually left that pitch crying because they wouldn't let me 
play. They wouldn't let me continue. So they did take your off? Oh, yeah, I was took off, yeah. They wouldn't let me play. But after that, I fell a mick from the Herald to the newspaper. He came down to me and um, he said, Livy, what are you going to do? Because you can know where to play. I, I brought it to the appeals of the football. My manager and Hugo did. So in the process, we got it changed. That girls can play to the age of 16, under 17 bias. Then after that, they have to go with girls. Mm. So I was able to play for another two years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Juncom the ladies when I was 18, 19. So come here, if you take it back a little bit further. So you said that, obviously you're from Sheriff Street, yeah? yeah. What made you want to get into football? Because you said girls didn't play football back then and you were on your own kicking the ball. What, what inspired you? My dad had a big part of the Terence because my dad was mad into football then. He loved George Best. He loved all the great players then, Pele, Maradona. And, and one Saturday night, he sat me down and it was late. I knew it was late and he let me watch Match of the Day. And I was just addicted. Mm. The minute I seen men running around with football, what I was trying to do on the street, these were doing on a pitch. So I was addicted straight away. Mm. And that's me dad is the main person that got me into like liking football. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't a bad little player himself. Mm. He used to play the five of size and the diamond and all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even Joseph Manchin, him and Pancho McMahon. They all played him. <laughs> mm. So I think I got me football thing from me dad. Yeah. And my dad was a whole lot as well. He liked his whole. But the football got he got me into the football from match of the day and Every Saturday night, religiously, me and him sat down and watched Match of the Day. So from the age of six, I watched Match of the Day with my dad. Even when, before he passed, that was their thing. That was me and my dad's thing, to watch Match of the Day every Saturday night. And I'd go out all day deliberately. I was, I wouldn't get any scores for that night. So we wouldn't know if United was at the winning or not. So me and him be sitting there, and if they won, like, slaughter the house, screaming, yeah, they won. He'd have his Guinness and... So that's where the love of football came. That was true of me dad. Yeah. yeah. Come here, what was Sheriff Street like back then as well? Well, as you know, Terence, when I was growing up, it was, I was the second eldest of eight of us. And you nearly had your own football team. We did, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, that's who I played with and practiced with, my brothers, Anthony, Ryan and Lee and Gary. Great players, but, as you know, they went the wrong way. But see, this, this is what happened to me. I wanted to go out and drink the weekend. I wanted to go out to the discos. I wanted to go to 21 sides, the Olympias, the stadium. But I sacrificed for football. And when I was growing up in Sheriff Street, all I seen in Sheriff Street, great people. But the drugs epidemic took over. The heroin came in and it actually destroyed my family at the time. And this is the reason why I stuck to football because I know I probably wouldn't be sitting here with Jews today if I'd have went the other way. So me looking at my friends and my family's going through all this through heroin and I didn't want that life for myself. I didn't want to be sitting in a corner and begging for money for to get drugs. And so that's what I did. I, my friends, they went down the docks, had a few cans and I went training with Ireland. And we, I just stayed in. I didn't go out. I wanted to be a footballer and I knew if I went down that road, it had never happened. See, so you're lucky as well because you had a head on your shoulders. You could see... Some people look at it and go, I never want to be like that. Some people look at it and they go, what's it like to be? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're uh, curious. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where I, um, I seen firsthand with my family and I seen I've lost loads of friends, I've buried loads of friends because of it. And I'm glad, like during the time, I obviously had some sort of inkling to say to yourself, I can't go down that road, Jesus. 
I won't be I won't be here from looking and seeing my friends and my family and that's what happened, Terence. I literally went the right way. Yeah. And they all went the wrong. It destroyed that whole community. Oh, like I mean, four people of four out of my family, you know, thank God today they're all good. But when they like they were when they were on, I was thirteen and fourteen. My eldest sister Debbie, my youngest brother Anthony, youngest brother Gary. And like I know everybody has it in their family, but it's devastating when you look and turn around and you see a brother and sister like that. It's not nice. Mm. And when I look back now and I see them now, I'm so proud of them because they're at the literally turning their life around. Mm. Where when I was growing up, I was like, going to be burying him, going to be burying her. And that was the, that was the, my thinking. I was 13, 14. I was looking after six and seven kids. My dad went out for his drink. My ma liked their shopping and... I was minded Leah, minded Ryan, I battered him, got him up for school. I became a ma mm. when I was 13 or 14. Through my own choice, I wanted to look after them. You know, I didn't want them on the streets, I didn't want them. But I didn't, I try. Yeah, I try it. I didn't fail. Because not one, not all of them went on drugs, only Anthony, Gary and Debbie, you know. But they had to turn their life around now and mm. I'm so proud of all of them because um, I really didn't think they would have being here and especially to see me playing with Ireland I actually didn't think they'd ever be yeah, and I'm so proud when they're all there yeah. when I did play for Ireland they were all there watching me and I was like there's Anthony Gary yeah, they're all there that's good yeah yeah <laughs> you know it was a great feeling yeah you can all share the moment yeah share the yeah. moment exactly you mentioned Barry and friends and family and stuff like that me and Cavler I remember six a couple of years ago on an episode we were talking about if you ever speak to your ma or your dad or mm. someone in your family of an older generation mm. and they're telling you a story they always go oh that person's not with us anymore yeah. this person's exactly. not here yeah. most of their friends yeah. aren't here yeah. because of that but only because yeah. of that like that's what I'm saying I lost my friends I only through drugs mm. and it's 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 horrible because I've sat down with my friends I've had a chat with them tried to get them help you know and yeah they get great for about three or four weeks then you turn around the next and somebody passing by and saying isn't it terrible about who and I'm like about who and they're saying it's my friend and I'm like no way I was with her three weeks ago and it just happens like that but as you know drugs is an addiction yeah. and it's a, it takes an awful lot to get out of an addiction and it needs help it needs family members to be there for you 24-7 and I do pity some of the family members as well because they have to stop their life as well to look after them of course yeah. you know yeah. I stopped my life mm. everyone stops their life but like I saved my sister's life picked her up off the ground purple in the purple in the face up on Talbot Street got told Livia's sister's up there on the ground and I'm like what Rend up the heart as a uh, Compressions. Compressions, resuscitation, everything. Mm. She's still here today. Yeah. You know, so God bless. It's scary, it's traumatic mm. as well. And that's mm. it. That, like you said there, like it's that's addiction for you, you know. A yeah. lot of people think it's choice to do with No, it's not like choice. Just choosing it. No. Mm. no. A lot of people were especially back then would have been oblivious to the long road ahead, the dark Exactly, road ahead, like right? all these saying, I know Terence, all these saying was the great bus they got out of and like, they didn't know they were going to be on it for 30 and 40 years later. There. You know? They didn't know. And exactly. Then trying to get clean and so on and then a bad bump in the road happens because like, everybody's going to go through shit yeah. life, whether you like it or not, there's a wave coming for everyone. You don't know whether it's going to be a death or you're going to... But that's what I'm saying, and never, it never stops because you're, you're always waiting. waiting. You know, the cope yes. was through drugs. You're always waiting for that phone call. Yeah. Always waiting. Mm. 
and when it doesn't come, it's great. Mm. But see, when you're saying like when they slip and when they fall, <coughs> you're on the edge and mm. you want to make sure they're all right. And you know, you go in and have a chat with them, and you're saying, "What are you doing? Oh, sorry, Livia, I slipped again." Yeah. You know, and but you always put your arm around, and make sure they're all right. It's so fragile, always. isn't it? It's oh, that close. To ab- absolutely, because yeah. if you say the wrong word, you know yourself they're gone. Gone, yeah, gone. It's kind of gone full circle, isn't it? It's like we didn't understand it. And then we resented it all, like, you know what I mean? You'd, you'd belittle the person for doing it. Yeah. Like, look at them. And you'd even, like, say things like, look at that junkie or addict or oh. whatever. And you'd, you'd belittle them and you'd give out to them. And now it's like, oh, now we understand. Yeah, So yeah. rather coming back through it again, it's gone full circle. Because like, we understand, we can try and prevent it now. Yeah, well, that's what you try to do now. Because mm. we, we know, as you said, we understand it now. And, like, I didn't understand that my sister was there goofing off and my brother and, mm. and my friend and... I was sitting there with one can of harp because that's what I used to drink, one can of harp if I was with them. Mm. Like I sat there and I seen them taking drugs, I seen them taking the heroin and it just, I just, it just was not for me because mm. I knew I'm a very addictive personality and I know if I'd have took that, I probably wouldn't be here today and I know if I take coke, I won't be here today. I'm an addictive personality. I will not take a drug. It shows the right addiction, addiction mm. to yeah. football. Football, exactly. That actually gives me the, probably the adrenaline yeah. that you would get off a natural high. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, that you would get off a, a heroin, uh, Yeah. I don't know, shot, whatever you call it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, that's where I got me high. That was your high. The adrenaline. Mm. And that got you where we head with that and going, yeah. like a shame, when you walk onto a football pitch and you have a match, Everything you're not thinking about nothing else in the world. There. Well, this is what I'm saying, Terence, I've often walked onto a pitch with Ireland and, and Russia and two hours earlier I got a phone call saying my friend was at the time. You know, I've got it twice when I played with Ireland. But as you said, when I got onto the pitch, everything just, it sort of goes here at the back of your head. Yeah. And it's not meant to, but it just happens. For 90 minutes anyway. For 90 minutes. And then... After the 90 minutes, it's back in the, the front of your head. Yeah. It's all back. But them 90 minutes is worth more yeah. to me yeah. than anything in the world. It's an escape. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah that, well, that's the big thing. So that's what it was like growing up for you yeah. down there anyways and yeah. in Sheriff Street and stuff absolutely like that. Absolutely love Sheriff The people in are absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Great community, great club as well. Uh, like football-wise, like anything happens to you around you, they give you a talk. Everybody comes together if anything happens, you know. Like, I've always felt like that in Sheriff Street. Sheriff Street has always been my hometown. And people, when I say to them where I'm from, they're taken aback. As you know, it hasn't got a good name. But where has? Yeah. Especially these days, where years ago was only the inner city. Now it's all out in the suburbs and everywhere. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's one big shout out to Hugo as well, who you mentioned. Hugo's ah, yeah. a legend. And, uh, like I grew up, we all played for Sheriff Street. Yeah, so we have a lot of friends down in Sheriff yeah. Street as well. Like still do and the salt of the air down there. Oh, you know what I mean, I used to love going down because you know, it's full of head cases but they're funny. F- uh, you know funny I mean? head cases, you, you get, yeah. <laughs> you know you're going to go down, someone's going to say something funny to you, you're going to grab a yeah, stick. Yeah. Never felt intimidated. No, Never no, felt no. in trouble going down but there. that's what people think that don't live in it. Yeah. It's imitation straight away. Yeah. And it's not, it's open arms the minute you walk 100%, in. 100%. I know 100%. this myself. This is what we talk about. I, brought, time, I brought the whole of the Ireland ladies team to Noctus. Yeah, <laughs> no, I brought. That was a brave decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. And these girls had the best night of their life. Yeah. Instead of going to Temple Bar or yeah, Clayton Hotel and blah blah, they wanted to come to my to my local. Yeah. And I was like, girls, just don't like it. It's just the 
it's a little kip or it's my little kip where I go for me so we want to go Livy now bring us <laughs> so I brought 23 players into Newla <laughs> and Newla says to me Livy what are you doing I said Newla they wanted to come they wanted to see you <laughs> the best night the girls the next day like Livy we want to go back we want to go back but they all flew out the next day to go back home but they'll never forget that night as long as they live you know what I mean but that's the thing like mm. like there's, there's this perception that it's bad and whatever and then you no. bring these people in they yeah. feel the love they feel yeah. the community and like you said it's a little kip but yeah. it's all little exactly. kip exactly that's why I'd say they loved all the little loafers and one of them little loafers was probably me dad yeah. at the bar having a drink mm. uh, that little loafer was lovely Livy what was his name I want to keep in touch with him you know yeah. after meeting them for one night yeah. it was absolutely great night like I did in Noctus gosh I didn't think you were going to say Noctus no I know that's why I'd probably say the green room or the lagoon they were there I was Noctus yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, so you're playing football since you're like, you, you, you were talking to us about your journey through football like playing for the boys teams mm. and stuff like that and having this uh, separate dressing room and all for yourself where did you go then after playing with the boys then you said you went to Drumcondra was it yeah Drumcondra ladies literally two steps away from Talca Rovers mm. it's a little pitch there and there was no porter cabin there when, when we played we just stripped on the side of the road in our cars well not my car and got a car then <laughs> um, in a girl's car but it was my first experience of a women's team and these were all 24, 25 I was 17, 18 and I was I was in awe like I didn't know there was girls teams around so when I started playing I was like these girls can play like me you know because I didn't know like and so I was playing with Lindy Fitz, Sharon Brown, Trish Ryan, Trish Martin. Mm. That he walked in Lourdes. Mm. Trish. I know Trish, yeah. Yeah. Well, Trish, Trish was the one, yeah, Livy. Trish uh, was the leader in our club. That's right, yeah. in Lourdes. I was wondering why she was always involved in Ireland. She kept that very quiet. She was yeah. always steward at all the matches. She still is, she still yeah. does it. Yeah. yeah, she was there the other night. But she um, introduced me to Drunkhounder Ladies. Mm. And uh, well, what they say, that's how it happened. That's how it all happened to start. Yeah. And um, I played with them for about five, six years. I thought, when when you said that you went to them, I thought you were going to say, like the level wasn't great there. You, you were saying that they were all brilliant players. Oh, absolutely. I was totally and utterly shocked right. from my skill. Yeah. I, I didn't know I was good, but I knew I could play football. I knew I could score goals. But when I seen these girls, these were all they as good could as do you. the same. Mm. Yeah, they could do the same. Like, I couldn't understand how a girl could understand right foot and left foot and centre half. And these had this down to perfection. Yeah. And what they says to me, right, leave your playing in the middle. And I was like, right, Grant. But to me, the middle was the whole lot of it. <laughs> you know, the whole, all, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't just left side of midfield. I was everywhere. I was all over the pitch. And they were like, no, Livy, it goes 4-4-2. Four, four, and I just want me here then. So I go up here. These knew all this. And I didn't. I yeah. only knew through Hugo, you know. Hugo was the 4-4-2. Four, four, yeah. But where I was asked to play, that's where I played. Yeah. And they were just, like, proper footballers. Like, playing one, two. Livy, great goal, well done. And now Mark Ho, go to your left, go to, you know, instructions on a pitch that I never heard in my life. Mm. But I, when I met them, like, they were my pals from the start. And that's, I'm still, took, in, yeah. took me in, yeah. looked after me and says to me, you're some player I'm going to look after you. and that's exactly what they did like we'd one game I think we were playing Dublin bus and a girl got me in the corner had me back toward and got the ball away man she, she, she swung me around and such a clatter she gave me into the face and the whole of the 
ground head, but you want to see these girls running over. That girl never clattered anybody else yeah. in her life. That's After that, in any <laughs> one in all, in kind of us. You're not yeah. going to touch her. She's one of ours. You know. Yeah. And I was, I just stood back because I was in shock. She was at the clattered me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I love these girls. These are looking after me. Yeah. Yeah. No bother. So. See, uh, back then, so you're surprised by the level that they were at, yeah, um, yeah. and how good they were. Mm. Do you feel like the level is a lot different? Do you feel like the team back then were as good as the players are now, or not? Oh no, we were as good as them. As good as, good them, as yeah. like yeah, I can the, name I, three players on my finger. That's Kate McCabe. Mm. She played like Kate McCabe. I can name girls that can play like Diane. I can name goalkeepers. It's just that we didn't get the exposure. No Nobody yeah. seen it. Like, I played for Ireland. The only way you knew it was by word of mouth. Mm. There was no radio. There was no posters. There was no. I got handed posters on the day of the game. And I was like, why are you handing me posters on the day of the game? This was in Richmond Park against Croatia. And she was like, we forgot to give you some. I said, well, they're no good to us. This is ridiculous. Like, I mean, they should have been put up three weeks beforehand, let people know we're playing. Never, never, it never happened. It was never exposed. And the only way you found out that it was on to order out and the only people that was there was your family and a few friends. That was the difference of from today till then, you know. So when we were going to like Russia, nobody knew about it. My mom would ring me, right, Livy, where are you going? I'd say, Russia, ma, we're going to Russia this weekend. For what? I'm going to Russia to play for Ireland, ma. My ma didn't get the concept of I was playing for Ireland. Mm. It's just how I was going out to play a match for Sheriff. Yeah. She didn't understand it. Where Auntie and my sisters and my brothers and all, they understood. Yeah. And Auntie would say, where are you after now? Like I'd say, Russia, where are you after? I had the United States. But they only knew, nobody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What was it like getting your first call-up? Well, what you do, the process is, you play with your club and your club says she the FAI wanted to go out for trials. You go out Friday, Saturday and Sunday, so it was in Santry. There was 500 girls Friday, then it was whittled down to 300 Saturday, then 200 uh, Sunday, and then you'd call in the 23 on the Monday. It was 200? It was 500. Start yeah, with five. Yeah, start. start with five. Start with yeah. five, yeah. Even 23 out of 200 is still a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, because there was no phones then, so it was letters. So when you went, we went in on the Monday, you were told to go home and you get a letter and see what, the 200. And I think it was two weeks later, I got a letter. And I opened it and was like, you are being picked to represent your country against Spain in Seville and the Euros in June. And I was like, oh my God, I'm playing for Ireland. You know, like in, I remember I was, ma, ma, look at the da, da, look at the letter, look at the letter, it's, the heading is FAI, I'm going to play for Ireland. And they were like, no, you're not. You know, <laughs> you usually, you know, no, you're not. And Auntie and Debbie, and they were all, they were brilliant. And I had a little tear in my eye because you're playing for your country. Yeah, the only reason why I get emotional, Terence, is because you'll, nobody will ever know what it feels like to play for your country unless you do it. Mm. And when you do it, that's when you'll understand how emotional you're getting the goosebumps when you hear your national anthem. But my first game, oh uh, yeah, I went out the train, I got the letter on my mad and all, and went out training, say, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then the following week, we flew out to Seville in Spain. We were playing Spain, their first game in the European Championship. And I remember walking into the stadium and every single person in the stadium had a Spanish flag. A little flag. There were 7,000 of them. And one of their delegates was in the middle of them with one little flag. 
and I could see it from all, all of them. I could see that little flag. Out, yeah. yeah. So we were, the game went on. It was a tight game, actually. It was 1-0-0. Then the 85th minute, I got the ball off. I central midfield. I was forward at the time. And I turned. I beat a defender. Beat another defender. And I shot. But I didn't care, right? But it went in. But when I didn't, I shot. And when I shot, your woman came in and dead. My leg was yeah. completely dead. I couldn't even get up to celebrate. And this is what the girls was like, yeah, yeah, at the score, yeah. I said, lovely girls, brilliant, brilliant. You know, like I was at the score. But I didn't actually get the magnitude of how big this was. Mm. I was like, yeah, I'm at the score. You know. So we came home, the Herald and the Star, and I was in Dublin Airport. And Mick, as I said, the Herald fell I know him years, but he's dead now. But he's, he came over, he said, Livy, do you understand what you have to do? And I said, what? That's scoring for I. I said, yeah, I know. He said, no, you have never won a game away in the European Championship, ever. And this Ireland lady started up in 1973, so this was 1992. So that was what? 19 years. 19 years since we won a game away or at home in the European Championship. So when I got home to my mass, there was flags, there was all my friends, and now I celebrated, if you know what I mean. It actually hit me. I said, I scored for fucking Ireland. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's here to celebrate it with me. Or like, I, and that's when it really hit me. I'm playing for Ireland. I'm playing for my country. So I really said to myself, you have to put your head together, Livy. Like, you can do this for years and years to come. And all I wanted to do was play for Ireland. Unbelievable, mm. that is. See, as, as a young girl in Charleston and kicking the ball and your own and whatever, did you ever have that vision? Of playing for Ireland. No, because it. I didn't know Ireland existed. Yeah. I didn't know. Mm. I, I, we grew up watching the men. Yeah. Do you know, in 1990, the World Cup, mm. the best year of Ireland's football, like, and to me, seeing that, and the, the afford and going up to O'Connor Street to meet and coming home, and it was absolutely brilliant. But I never in my life, I didn't even know women played international football. Yeah. And in 1991, was the first Women's World Cup and the USA won it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's madness mm-hmm. that, yeah. Was Spain, the women's team for Spain, were they as big as they were back then as they are now? It wasn't as big for no, them, no? That's a, that Spain has had a coming on heaps and bounds since <clears throat> where we played against, because every time we played against them, it was a tight game, very tight game. Always, and it seems always when in their Euros and World Cup qualifiers, we got them in their group. So it was always either Sweden, Denmark, Spain and Croatia. They were always in their group in Switzerland. But Spain, great little players, but I just think they needed a bit of guidance. Mm. And that's why they are where they are today. Yeah. World champions. Yeah. Because they're brilliant players, but just couldn't get, you know, the combination right. Uh, there was something wrong and they fixed it. They fixed it about 10 years ago. And they're in the top 10 now, 10 years. Yeah. You know? It's crazy, isn't it? Because yeah. they're huge now. And like... But the main thing was, Pumping money into their training. Yeah. And now semi professional, now they're professional. Yeah. You know, so I think that's where the Ireland ladies should be going. Semi professional, then professional. Yeah, there's a path there to the follow. The yeah. yeah. You can't just go straight yeah. professional. The FAI be bankrupt. Yeah. You know, so it has to be done controlled as in semi professional. Now can we go semi pro and now can we go pro? Yeah. You know, three steps. But it just proves, like, if you put the money into the facilities and or the money into the training and mm. everything yeah. there, like, you will get a final product. Absolutely, 100%. As you said, Spain did it 10 years ago, so you can yeah. say, look at, well, we played them in 92. Mm. 
we beat them they were always close games now they're leaps and bounds ahead of us yeah. why don't we just do what they done mm. there's, a, there's a blueprint there just do what they done exactly. other countries there's have blue, done and it is, it is happening I've been talking to people in the FAI yeah the FAI is not just sitting back and taking all this in they're grown mm. in house they are grown and I can see myself I've been there I've been speaking to people and it is growing it is going to grow and grow and grow it's not going to back to what it was yeah. the thing that changed women's football in Ireland was 2017 the girls press conference about the tracks of them all yeah I was yeah. going to ask you about that there was a few horror stories that you have yeah. examples of um, how bad was it for you coming up with Ireland it was bad Calvin it was really really bad like I mean but you don't want to go to on a radio show or a television and dish the FAI because for the simple reason is they hadn't got the resources then mm. if they had the money and kept it from us and let us wear all that then there'd be a problem Yeah, but they hadn't so to tell you the truth, I'd have wore Boca Juniors tracks just to play for Ireland, you know what I mean? Because it was a privilege to play for your Ireland and an honour. But the facilities, the field, everything was absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Like, I mean, I'm not being smart when I say we stayed in a brawl mm. in Russia. Because, you know, the resources we had in that four days that we were there, we were waiting for their field, their field came Sunday, we were going home Sunday. You know, we get a an hour fly from Dublin to London but we got a boat from uh, Dublin to Wales Wales to Liverpool and then Liverpool to London you know what I mean so it was all cutbacks and resources mm. every single early board flight out of Dublin airport we got mm. the half six one the one that starts every day a half six and they were the only flights that we ever got we didn't get to three o'clock or the four o'clock or, you know what I mean we went to Flew into like places, Belarus, got onto a bus for nine hours straight. Nine hours straight after a six hour flight, seven hour flight to get to a hotel for the game. You know, so it wasn't just hop on and hop out, hop out. Like the girls get chartered planes now. Never heard in my life yeah. chartered planes. We got planes with propellers <laughs> that we thought you were going to crash. Yeah. They kill Kenny when you know that one. <laughs> wasn't there some girls out of pocket as well, wasn't there? Like oh, some yeah, girls are paying for themselves. People, and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, the only thank God with me, I worked for Dublin City Council. They were very good to me. They didn't let me take the annual leaves. I could keep them. But Sharon, my roommate, she had to take her annual leaves. You know, so. So every girl was in, yeah. Every yeah. girl was in a different situation because obviously you know we didn't get paid with, from the FAI. We got absolutely nothing off them. Couldn't even uh, keep their jersey, you know. So we literally played for the pride of playing for your country. That's how much it meant to you. How much it meant. Yeah. I did flew to the mill and back to play for my country, and it was it wasn't for the FAI. It wasn't for it was for my family, my friends to make them proud. Look at me, I can play for Ireland. If I can do it, you can do it. Setting an example. Yes, yeah. I can, well, trying. Yeah. You know, so a few girls I could have followed me from Chelsea, but obviously they went the wrong way. I can name them on my finger. Absolutely tremendous players, but just went the wrong way. You know, and it's annoying. It annoys me to see them now, three and four kids, and just basically going with life, mm. you know. When they could have played when they for the country. Or... Had a, Mm. career like with football absolutely 100% you said the turning point was 27 then mm. what was that with the press conferences for people that are not aware of it the press conference was about the girls got fed up they were in the airport and they got handed the 21's bias tracksuits I think to put on them in the toilets in the airport not an ideal thing to do 
before you're flying out to play the biggest game of your career in the European Championship. So that's when the girls said enough is enough. And Emma Bourne, who was a very good friend of mine, Emma rang me that morning, she said, Livy, I said, Emma, please do it, it needs to be done. I said, if you want me there, I'll be there. She said, no, I don't, I'm just asking you, is this the right, it's the 100% right thing to do, Emma. Go and do it, and then just take the repercussions when they come. Not all of it be bad. And it wasn't, she didn't really get all bad publicity out of it. But the girls that stood with her, Stephanie Roach, Anya O'Gorman, they're the senior players. So I said, make sure you have senior and underage girls with you. They tell them, these underage girls have to come up and look at what we're at to do, you know. So she went on with the press conference and by the way, she was asked not to do it by the FAI. Somebody out of the FAI asked her not to do it that morning because of the repercussions of her career. That's what she was told. Mm. And I said, so don't mind them, ignore them. They just don't, don't want change. That's what trauma did. Mm. They're all set. They don't want change. So we want change. So we do this. And Emma played for Arsenal, didn't she? Emma played for so Emma. Her whole career was set in any ways. Emma, Emma was retired. Like Emma's, yeah. Emma, Emma has done everything in football. Champions League. Nine league champions she has with Arsenal. One of the top goalkeepers in Arsenal, England, for at least 15 years. Mm. Great player. And the right person to actually do this press conference, you know what I mean? So Take some courage, that Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I was speaking to her, she was nervous. She was, I said, Emma, I know you're nervous, but you know and I know this is the right thing to do. She says, I know, Olivia, I know. So she went and did it. And look at the change. It's look at the change in the girls. Unbelievable. Getting proper gear, they're getting women's gear. It's figured in jerseys. It's not big, huge men's jerseys now. It's women's shorts. Everything is women's. Where... It was all men's stuff. The hand-me-downs, I got them myself. I think I think I wore Palmer Grass tracksuit for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I used to roll her up 60 times. <laughs> but I, I wore it with pride yeah. because it was for Ireland. Yeah. You know, so... But it, like I said, like it's it's not even just the facilities that's now changed. Or the jerseys and the kits, everything, everything, everything comes together. When when somebody stands up like that and speaks out, has the courage to do that. Exactly. Look at everything that has happened now. Yeah. Like when you look at, I look at the Ireland's women's team now, and I'm like, I didn't even think in my lifetime I would have seen this for for the women's team. Yeah, mm. exactly. Do you know what, what I mean? Saying. Like I can't mm. imagine for you, like as mm. well. Like you know what I mean? Like to see the team grow like that. And now mm. the stars in the team, like world class stars. In that team. Yeah, we exactly were saying it the other day. We think Kate McCabe has bigger stock now than any men's player in Ireland. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Well, like I, no I literally think that as well. Like I'm with you on that. There's no men's player as big as that Kate has McCabe. The highest profile as her no. now with the Irish. Uh, what I said was Evan Ferguson would be close because yeah. he scored in Premier League exactly. goals mm. on the regular now. Yeah, but Evan is like a top top player. He is going to go for millions. Yeah. He is going to go for he's going to break records. Over yeah. hundred million he'll tell and, yeah. you. You know, and yeah. that's I always said that Kate McCabe is going to be the first million pound signing for a player. And you never know, it might come true because they're getting close. Alessa Russo, Ella Town, they're all three hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. You know, signing on fee. Yeah. You know. So I think my signing on fee was six euro. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, to you, that must feel like another blame planet to hear that kind of yeah, thing. Like, that but, kind of money. <sighs> well, and in my me la- me latter stages of the Ireland team, we did get um, 20 euro a game. I think I played three games a year. Yeah. <laughs> that was 90 euro I got off. No, that's what, at the end of my career, that's what you gave us per game, 20 euro. And still not able to keep jerseys. 
It's a bit sad that, and I'm surprised that you're not bitter, because you're not bitter about. I don't. I wouldn't call you bitter about mm. the change, mm. but you would have liked that change to come. Obviously, a lot earlier because Absolutely. you're definitely in everybody's eyes like one of Ireland's greatest ever players. Like mm. you look at your goal stats, how many goals you've scored, and how many games you've played for our country. Like, mm. and then the the hair. You got 30 quid a game, didn't even get to keep the jersey. Like, oh, I know, yeah, but don't get me wrong. Like, when I'm having a like, like I'm having a conversation with people, and I get oh, I asked this question a lot, Terence. Are you not bitter? I don't understand why I can be bitter when I can't change it. Mm. Mm. So, I have every right to be bitter. Every right, like these bass gave me nothing. Do you know what I mean? I got nothing after my blah blah blah. But seeing the girls getting a now fills me with pride. Like, I mean, I'd love them to be in the dressing room the first day after the press conference when they actually got women's jerseys handed to them. Do you know what I mean? A figured-in jersey. Like, I used to get shorts, I think they were a medium men's, and I used to roll... I'm, I'm not messing, I used to roll them up six and seven times. And the socks, the heel of them be up to me calf. They were that big. But I wore it, and I wore it with pride. And what the girls is doing now, this is what I get, um, I don't know the word for it, it's just, it's overwhelm, overwhelming mm. emotion and pride knowing that we changed a little bit for the girls just to get a figured in t- uh, T-shirt. Yeah, there's no you question know? about yeah. that. No, you know what I mean? So they could run, mm. basically, that's what Ex- happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We walked while they can run. Yeah. And only, only all it is is just pride now. It's not, not one bit bitterness. I'm not bitter about anything. I'm bitter because I'm 53 and I'm not 20. <laughs> if I was 20 now I'd be playing for Man United yeah. women 100% that's not throwing roses at me because I wouldn't play for anyone else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think everybody knows that mm. about you everybody knows how good you were mm. and you're well respected mm. like, you'll never hear somebody go ah, what you doing today everybody knows that you would have yeah, mm. yeah. I'd, lo- I, I'd love to have a, like, a time warp if you know what I mean mm. and just give me a year yeah, and just let me play. Just see what you can just do. Just to see, you know, like because I mean, I did a podcast the other day, and it was about Barcelona women. Oh my God, have you seen these women play? Have you? Have you? I haven't seen the Barcelona women play. No, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> these women, I just want to play. I just because it's just pure, pure football. No ball in the air. Never see a ball in the air. Always on ground. Always on the ground. Lucy Quinn, Bill Matty. Alex Pulis, oh, heaven. Just give me a year with Barcelona and I'll be happy. Mm. I won't be bitter about anything. I did yeah. that good, oh, yeah. Just watch um, the Women's Champions League 2023. Right. And come back to me. Mm. Right, right, have me word on that. Yeah. I'll bring you. Right. <laughs> but the whole women's game as a whole, not just the Irish women's game, has come up, hasn't it? Like, and you see clubs like United only started that, that women's team Two a couple years of years ago. ago. Two. Do you know what I mean? And they're mm. flying now. Yeah, yeah. The women's USA team, that's one of the yeah. biggest jobs in the world Emma Hayes is it Emma Hayes she's Chelsea gone over there manager, yeah. Chelsea she's manager gone over there, she was, now. there was talks of her getting a, a men's team job as well she, they wanted that for the English that, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. English men's league mm. and the, Millwall also wanted that as well to manage mm. them but she is the highest paid women's coach now yeah. ever 1.8 million yeah. of a contract with the USA Yeah. but the USA see what we have now I'm talking about like football wise the FAI England, the league. America has to had that 20 years ago. Yeah. They had it 20 they years ago. They dominate the World Cup every year, don't yeah, they? But they had the facilities, the money, everything 20 years ago. And we're only hitting it now. Yeah. It's like when 
America, like, bring out a runner. A nice runner that everyone wants. Ireland gets a four years later. Yeah. That's exactly the way it is with the football, mm-hmm. with the Americans. The Americans are up there with everything. The only thing, that men's team is not that good. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't yeah. it? It's usually like, it, it usually, doesn't really yeah. make sense. That so the women only got equal pay this year. Mm. The American women, because the men's, they don't, they don't, perform, they don't get yeah. into yeah. tournaments. They don't do the. The only time they got into it to American in in a World Cup is because they hosted that. Yeah. In 1994, you know. So, they're no, I'm not going to say they're not good, but the girls is the ones who's generating the money. Yeah, the girls. And they're winning the, the World the products, Cups. Yeah. Winning the Olympics. You know, so it's all women over there. What was the girl's name? She was the big advocate over there for the Megan Rapinoe. Megan Rapinoe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely she, brilliant. She, she retired this year and so did Ali Kinga. These would have been there 20 years ago. Yeah. I actually played against them in the US when we played them. Megan Prone, Mia Hamm. Alex Morgan. Ag- Alex Morgan. The goalkeeper Pope. Mm. I played against them. They beat us 4 0. You know what I mean? But they still advocating for women's football today. Like, Megan Rapons is generating millions and millions, getting equal pay, getting gender equality into football associations. She's an advocate for women and she's brilliant. Mm. I actually think she might run for president, that's the guy's on the street. Mm-hmm. She only retired there yeah, a yeah. couple of weeks ago, She had she? an unfortunate in her last game. Yeah, she, she went off in yeah. yeah. Well, the whore and Ali King, are, they were two, they're two best friends and they played for the Women's National League as well and the two of them started together and they finished together. This year. That's class. And they, they, that, yeah. they finished in a, a cup final in America and Rapon got injured. So Ali King won it. Mm. You know, so it's great camaraderie between them. Like, they're all friends. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mel, what's, what's your favourite goal you've ever scored in your career, Olivia? A few. Yeah, 54 of them. <laughs> yeah, um, in Richmond Park. And the reason why I remember is because all my family was there. They were on this side. We were shooting down, you know, by down the apartments mm. at the back of the goal. Yeah, and uh, we were coming up the halfway. Stephanie was on the left, and she got and she crossed it, and I was at the edge of the box, and I took her down on the chest. I took her on the chest and caught it in the volley, the left foot, top corner, absolute hundred. Who was that against? Croatia, and it was a very important goal because we had to progress in a group to get into the Euros, so it was a win for us. But then we had uh, Switzerland at home. We beat them two one. Then Switzerland beat us away 3-1, so we didn't get through. Every single time, we nearly thought we were there. We never got through. I never, n- never, we never qualified for the European Championship Well, I played. Mm. The, well, that World Cup was the first tournament, wasn't it, that the national team qualified for? Yeah. That one just gone. just gone. Yeah. That's the first ever World Cup. First ever tournament, though, I, I thought, wasn't it? No, we did played get, in European Championship. Did We never, ever got out of a group. Yeah. Never. So... To, for them, these Euros coming up now in 25, they have to surpass everything. Yeah. They've just achieved, you know? Yeah. What was it like when uh, when you witnessed the women's team qualifying for the World Cup? Well, I witnessed it because I was there. I was in Hamden Park. I was in Scotland. Me and my friend. We were only had to come on back the weekend before. We were at the being in Wembley. We watched um, the women, the Lioness against the USA in Wembley on the Saturday. And then we flew to Scotland on the Tuesday for the Ireland's playoff game against Scotland women for to get through to the World Cup. And I remember, like, because we travelled five o'clock in the morning, Dublin Airport, then to Edinburgh, then to Glasgow, just to get to where we were. But we'd have travelled 48 hours just to get there, just for mm. this game. And so we were sitting in the stadium. It was very, very, um, it's 
absolutely huge stadium. What's the stadium? Hamden. Yeah. The huge stadium. There's a track going around it and everything. So we're at the game and I was like, I'm very nervous, I'm very nervous, but I have a feeling. You know when you get in your gut? Because Scotland and Ireland, I think I have three or four hat-tricks against Scotland because that's what we did. Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales played each other forever when I was playing for Ireland. We always had little tournaments, little tournaments, inter-tournaments mm. together. And um, But I always felt that we were better than Scotland. But with Kim Little and your woman Corbett and you know, where these are all world-class players, played for Real Madrid, Chelsea and Arsenal. I was a bit iffy whether we would have done it or not, but we were sitting there next of all, I'd seen Denise getting the ball and I was like, if she takes the first touch where she's in, she's in. So while she has the ball, I had my friend by the shoulder, I'm like, she's in, she's in, she, she got, it's a goal, goal, goal. I absolutely just went off the head, like I didn't, I was screaming because it was late when she scored it. And I knew, I think there was 12 minutes left. But them 12 minutes were the worst 12 minutes of my life. And it, it felt like 12 hours. Because sitting there watching the team that you followed and played for all your life, going to get in 12 minutes defying the life, basically, and defying my life, you better bring me to a World Cup. <laughs> yeah, please, God, you have to, have to go to a World Cup, God, please. So when she scored, like, and then when the game was over, I was like, can me friend, and we're actually going to walk. Me and her start sobbing. We start crying. And then I'm wiping my eyes like that. And then I, when I opened them, Denise, Diane, Louise, they're all in front of me. They're like, let me, we're going to walk. And I was like, I know, girls, I know. And I'm here. We're all here to witness it because yeah, I played with Diane. I played with Louise. I played with Anya. And this is what we always tried for all their life. And for them girls to come over to me to celebrate it. Ah, uncontrollable crying. I was just so emotional, so... I was, and I was absolutely knackered from the adrenaline. Yeah. When it was all yeah. over, it just yeah. drained down me and I was, like I couldn't even lift a pint that night in the pub to celebrate. I was that tired because of the travelling and like the, the intensity of the game. Like my shoulders was up for the whole game. The minute it, it ended, I knew we were going to a World Cup. It was like the whole world was at the release of me. And me and I just started crying and the girls and all. And we went into, it was funny because there was more after the game before they were over. Yeah. And we went, to, <laughs> we actually went back to Kitty O'Shea's in Glasgow. It was Celtic pub. And that is all we sang for the whole night. <laughs> Ooh, I, up there. And it was the best night of my life. <clears throat> Brilliant. And as gas, we were asked numerous of times, oh, wait, is that the Celtic game? Because Celtic was playing the same night in the Champions League. No, we weren't, mate. We were at the your Scottish women's game who we beat 1-0 to go to walk up. Ah, feck it. That's what he said. He didn't even know they were playing. The women, his national women mm. saw it. He was too ent- interested in watching Celtic getting beaten. Celtic were getting beaten that night. They were all in the horrors. Mm. But we all came in happy and singing. And what are you all singing for? Are you, the Ireland girls? Ah, feck it. He said Celtic got beaten. But we didn't care. We, mm, yeah. Jack Daniels all over the place and the whole pub, we had it all up and up and raw. And we just sang for the whole night and just the next morning we woke up and me and Aunt told to each other and says, we're actually going to a woke up. <laughs> so that's when we start. Yeah, I love how passionate you are, Olivia. Oh. It's unbelievable to see how passionate you are and travelling with the games and going yeah. everywhere, watching the women playing. And 
to have some of the players you even played with coming up to you after it and stuff like that. Yeah, it was brilliant. That's why I really appreciated that because they acknowledged like, like I remember Diane screaming at Louise saying, Louise, Livia's here, Livia's here. Because mm. he didn't know I was there. I was like, I just waved to Diane and I was like, and she would, then on, you come over, Denise come over and and they were all like, Livia, we did this for you we wouldn't be here only because of yours. He's legends, you know what I mean? You's, you's have us here now. Mm. And I was like, thanks girls. I says, you's that have to make my life. We're going to a World Cup. And we all just started screaming then. And, she you know. ended up going out. Oh, another thing, um, Diane lifted me over the barrier and I was untold under no circumstances if I step over there, I ain't getting arrested. And I was, I looked at him, I said, me, we just won a playoff game. One nil, and we're going to a World Cup. We want to celebrate. And he's, I didn't care. And I was like, what? And Diane, the player, Diane Cadwell, like, me, she's a legend, leave her alone. So they grabbed me over and he, he tried to like actually get me away from them. I have her on video, like if some fella behind me, a supporter, was videoing at the time. Mm. And I can hear them saying, you're going to get arrested. And Diane saying, no, she's not. You don't know who she is. She's a legend. Mm. She's should be here on this pitch and... But he was going to arrest me, so she li- literally lift me back up and threw me back over the, the barrier. Yeah. And then they all went off and celebrated and we went to Okie O'Shea's. Yeah. Best night in my life. You ended up going over for the World Cup? Yeah. What was that like? Well, at the start it was hell, obviously because of the travelling. Like the first flight is 14 hours. Fuck's sake. That's Dublin to Dubai and then Dubai to Sydney 7. So you're talking like two days has gone away your life before you have a sleep. Mm. Or oh, I do it all tomorrow again. And um, we flew into Sydney. And yeah, Air Force game was Sydney because Ireland was the opening game of the World Cup. Yeah, it was against Australia. Against Australia. Were you invited over there by the FAI? No, I wasn't, Terence. I made my own way over. You weren't invited over, no? No, no, no. I am... Um, I got my own tickets, I saved my own money, I got 5,000 off the credit union. My partner got 5,000 and we got 5,000 itself. So all in all we paid, we spent 16,000. And that was for flights, accommodation and tickets. And we got our tickets off the Australian FAI because I wasn't waiting for their FAI to bring them out in February when the World Cup was in June. Far too near. I was afraid I was going to miss out and not get a ticket. So we had everything. The girls in Cassidy Travel were absolutely brilliant. They gave us the accommodation, the flights, where to stay. So they were brilliant. Everywhere we stayed was literally 10 minutes away from the stadium. So I want to thank them girls as well in Cassidy Travel. They were brilliant. Mm. But um, yeah, we went to Sydney. We went to Sydney for four days first. Watched the girls in the first game, the Australia. The opening game was absolutely amazing. I was actually doing a bit of commentary there for ITV. And um, I liked it, but I'd rather be in with my friends for the opening game. I thought to hear the national anthem in a World Cup opening game for the first time ever. But I sang it. I sang it on my heart. And the producer off ITV video recorded me singing on my own up in the stadium, up in Rosette. And... I just kept on singing and singing and when I turned around he says, oh my God, you know every single word. I said, I should know every single word. I'm 20 years singing it. Mm. You know, like, and I got like real emotional the throat, the, you know, coming down the neck and I was like, oh my God, don't start crying if you're on telly, you're on telly. <laughs> you know? 
And uh, next of all, I seen all my friends waving to me. They were all over there. So the first match was actually, I was at the sideline at the start and looking around and saying, Ireland ladies are playing in this stadium and I'm here watching it. And I says to myself, no, you have to take everything in, everything. But you can't. Mm. There's too much happening. Even though the stadium is empty, there's too much happening. Like you have to do this, you get your mic on, you have to rehearse. And where I just wanted to sit down, take everything in. But I agreed to go and I agreed to do it. But the first game, I actually thought, hey girls, if they'd have started off the way they finished the last 20 minutes against Australia, we'd have got something from the game. We were lacking attacking. We didn't attack at all. We were going across, across, across. And I didn't like it. If we'd attacked, we'd have got something from the game. Therefore, you know, Australia beat us 1-0. Mm. And a bit of a downer, but I mean, not the end of the world. You can get something against uh, Canada. So we left Sydney and went to Perth, uh, the Nigerian game. Mm. We went to Nigeria, uh, Perth, watched the Nigeria game. You go in, you meet, uh, when you're with all the fans, it's completely different than doing television. You're walking with the fans, you're having your drink, you're having your sing song two hours before the game. Everyone's there. You meet everybody. I met everybody from all walks of life, from Cork to Ringsend. Do you know what I mean? So the atmosphere of the games was brilliant. Like I thought the girls was very good, but I thought the attacking ability was a bit subdued. I thought they could have attacked more. I thought they could have done a lot of things more. But I mean, that's the manager's. That's the manager. That's the way she plays. And I, I was to walk with ITV the last match. Well, Ireland and Canada, if it was uh, of significance, but there was nothing for the girls to play for. So that, therefore, ITV went over to the England game because mm. they were playing. And that's how I was able to enjoy the games, the last two games, like Peart. Mm. Peart was like walking into Dublin. Mm. It lashed for the four days, absolutely freezing. Sydney was the same. Sydney was cold. We went up to the Gold Coast. We went up to Bondi Beach. We did all the touristy things and... It was brilliant, and but the best place that I felt that was brilliant was Brisbane. Brisbane was absolutely scorching. They had a fan zones everywhere. You know, when you walked in, if you couldn't see a game, you just go to a fan zone. They played every game every day, and all through the villages and all like it was an atmosphere that I never thought I'd experience for a women's football. Yeah, and I'm so glad I did. Best three weeks of my life, Terence. Best mm. three weeks. They got a bit of scrutiny after that because it was like they just showed up to make up the numbers, wasn't it really? They didn't give her a good bash. Mm. And when you look back at the men's national team, mm. they kind of have the same attitude with tournaments. The goal is just to get to a tournament. Yeah. And if you get to a tournament, that's job done. No, it's I, never go there to try and actually do something. Do something, yeah. And you think that's just a thing that we have an attitude in Ireland? I think not, it is. It's not just Calvin. men's be women. Yeah, because like when we get to a tournament, when you look at it, every tournament we get to, we don't perform. Don't do one. Yeah. So it's like we get there, so we're sitting on their laurels. We got there. Mm. No, no. But as you know, like Fera was, she was let go. And me personally, now I don't know, this is my opinion, it was because of our tactics yeah. in the games where, as I said, the Canadian and Australian game, we could, easily have won them and me myself I, I and my friends that we were saying to herself what can she not see that we can see like we can see that the girls can beat this if you tell the forward to do this instead of just staying staying in the middle mm. she wasn't using the flanks and if you look at the games now them six games just gone 
pre-war cup. The forward, six, haven't they? Eh, yeah. But the forward is not just standing in the middle. She's down the right, she's down the left, she wants the ball. She's uh, interacting with midfield. Where in the World Cup it was just going across, across, across and there was no end product. Yeah. You know? Mm. So I think that that was a bit and I think it frustrated the girls as well because mm. they could see we can do more. Let us. And they weren't allowed. You know? That's what I feel. And that could have been the end then for Verda. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, Verda, she's after giving me the best four years of my mm. life, you know, and I really, really thank her for that and I have thanked her personally, I talked to Verda, but just in the World Cup, I think she got a few of the games wrong. Do you reckon she just overthought it? She overthought it and too defensively. Yeah, she was too defensive. Flying. Yeah, and it, it, it's a cautious thing because you're, I just, yeah. you're playing against like Canada, the Olympic champions, mm. and Australia, the hosts. So you don't really want five girls going forward and then the opposition team breaking and scoring. Yeah, you don't want to get but a hiding. You don't want no, to get you don't. three or four nil. But if you're looking at the game and after 25 minutes we're stable and we're okay, mm. change her up. Yeah. Do something it, different. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. Well, yeah, it's just the, the attitude probably that we have it in terms of football and tactics in this country. Exactly, it, Calvin. You have to put it in a nutshell. Mm. Like, you get you know, talks about that. He hates yeah. that about just the Irish mentality. The numbers, yeah. He's like, we just go there and we do, why can't we go for it? Why can't but we this do is better? what I don't know. I know people have their opinions of Roy Keane. I absolutely love him for what he did. Mm. because he met Mick McCarthy eight weeks before the tournament and asked for this and asked for that and then turned up training and there was no balls I know exactly where he's coming from because it's happened to us we've gone on tournaments and their food hasn't turned up their footballs haven't turned up we actually played a tournament in, in Portugal and we had to go out and buy Ronaldo t-shirts to actually train because the stuff wasn't turned up you know so mm. these little things and you might think Ah, the training, it's all right. You might think it's uh, like a little thing, but in a, to a footballer, it's huge. Yeah. So I know exactly where Raikin is coming from. And to have a decent training pitch, you have to understand how much you have to appreciate that because, as you know, you played in pitches that's potholes in them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's all he was asking for, just better facilities. And, go, and I swear to God, if he'd have said at the World Cup, we'd have probably won it. Yeah. Or else semi-finals. Mm. But I do not condemn him for what he did because I know exactly where he's coming from. But again, there's there's, all, there's always the question of like it's the biggest occasion for Ireland. Ah, yeah. We need you, but then there's like it's almost like the courage to stand up and make sure it doesn't yeah. ever happen That's again. That's he makes the biggest this, statement. This well, is they, the repercussions yeah. of that happening. That's right. I'm saying he made his statement in tournament. Air girls made their statement out tournament. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's so, actually a wonder that they made it anywhere when you consider the facilities that they're playing in. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that. That's an obstacle being put on them. Absolutely. So the fact that I actually getting past, I imagine that wasn't there, and then we're seeing it. Yeah, 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 definitely. But still, I still feel that the men hasn't really progressed. Mm. Do you know? I think they're staying. I don't think that's a controversial statement to make. I would fully agree with that. Mm. I would even say we fucking regressed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all these young fellas are all brilliant. They haven't got experience. Mm. We've no experience in the men's team. How many Premier League players are playing for the men's team now? <sighs> Four or five, I'd say. Like on one hand, I you think, can probably count. I think it's only Evan Ferguson. Evan, uh, Nathan are? Collins. Nathan Collins playing. Uh, oh, only Bone. Yeah. yeah, there's three or four. But the majority of them is in the fourth division. But if you look 20, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they were all, all in the Premier League. Like yeah. 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 Like Duff, yeah. Robbie Kane, Roy Kane, they were but, all there. But this is what I'm saying. We could have had so many or so much potential yeah. with the men's team, only over facilities and thing. 
they're actually fucked her up. Yeah, whereas now it's flipped and you're seeing this opportunity with the women's team. Yeah. So it's a great treat this correctly and we can actually achieve something more. We well, can get to the Euros now in 2025. Well, there you go. Like the right king did that when? Oh, 2002. Oh, one, wasn't it? 2002. And has that changed? Like really? In the men's? Facilities wise, I, I don't, I I'm don't just, know. I'm just saying the girls did it in 17. Mm. Five years later, look where they are. Yeah. Yeah. The men, I feel, I don't know, there's something missing in the men's and I don't know why, I can't put my mind in yet. Because I think, Pat, what's his name? Kenny. Stephen Kenny. So I think Stephen Kenny is a fabulous manager. I absolutely, I really do think he's a fabulous manager. But he just doesn't have the resources that he needs and the players to be playing in the Premiership. Mm. He has a vision for a style of yes. football that's suited. Yeah. It, doesn't have the players to we, do. we haven't got the world class players to do it mm. like when you look at it we basically play a championship side with two or three Premier League players if you play that coming up against France who are all oh. in La Liga Premier League yeah. they're all League 1 they're all the best players in the world you can't play that style of football against them but I think if you in three years time all these buyers now that's playing with the Irish team that Stephen Kenny brought in I think if he came back in three years time they'd yeah. play for him 100% and we probably would qualify for tournaments because mm. of that little bit, all that little more experience. Because experience is an awful lot to do with international football, not club football. Experience as in the brain. When do I go for the ball? When do I step? When do I hold yeah. back? Because you know football doesn't last a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to use your brain. You played with Katie Taylor, didn't you? Mm-hmm. At an international level. Yeah. What was she like? Class. Was she, yeah? Yeah, she was class. Are you not going around telling everyone about that? Because <laughs> I would. Like, in the last... Telling everyone she played with Olivia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't... Uh, I don't tell people who... I Are you not switching on the telly when she was fighting there two weeks ago? I'm like, oh, he played and crossed the ball the whole... Yeah, yeah I was actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, Katie's... Katie's very humble. Yeah. Very humble girl. Like, even before she became famous. Like, I mean, as I said, the tournament of Portugal, Katie was on the team. Katie gets up at half five, goes for a run till half six. Breakfast at half seven, does air training with us till two o'clock. Then does our own training for our boxing. So I says to her, I says, what, like, what is your passion? What's your sport? And she said, Livy boxing. I said, what are you doing here then? I'm debating. She was, at the time, she was considering boxing or football. Yeah. Catch-22 situation. Because she loved both and was passionate about both. Like, and so she didn't know what to do. And I said, listen, you go with your heart. You don't go with your brain. Because the brain can tell you things that you do and you don't want to do, you know. Go with your heart, what you want to do. And I think after the Portugal trip, she did a Euros with us. And I think our last game was against Italy away. And that's when she says, I'm going full-time boxing. Because the football, Isaac, she says, you're not going to get the enjoyment though of football that you're going to boxing. Because boxing is an individual sport. Hmm. Football is a team support and me personally, we're not going to get into the Euros, World Cups or anything else in any time soon where you can go to the Olympics and you can be Ireland's number one boxer. Mm. In Ireland, not the world, mm. at the den. But then her ambition was to win the Olympics mm. and she went and did it. You know what I mean? So that's her mindset. Gave up the football and concentrated 100% on her boxing. Mm. She's a brilliant mindset. Yeah. It's crazy because when when I when you hear of Katie Taylor, 
obviously now you think of her as this boxer, but when you hear she played football at international level, and she's supposed to be actually she's unbelievable. She scored a Look up her highlight reel. Yeah, she's yeah. screaming. Screaming yeah. against Italy in Genoa. Yeah. I was sitting on the bench, I was a soap. I remember it vividly because he was in the centre circle. She stepped out of the centre circle and boom. Now what I mean, a rocket. And I was like, not going to get in, you know, like, what are you doing? You're shooting. And thing at the back of the net. Well, we were screaming. You know, some goal, Terrence, I've never yeah. seen. It's on YouTube, yeah. but we were all on the bench and she was, and like, she didn't even celebrate. It's just, yeah, whatever. Still, she didn't, still, still didn't, no, she didn't celebrate. And she got a yellow that day as well off the ref. And Kate never got booed in her life. <laughs> never gives back cheat to nobody, you know. But uh, I think that was her last game for Ireland. And after that, she went to professional boxing. Mm. I'm yeah. a professional amateur for the yeah. Olympics. Looking for the Olympics. Yeah. 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 What do you think of the grassroots for girls football in Ireland, Olivia? Um, it needs to be a big overall, Calvin. Because um, there's no interest in it. I mean, from associations. Mm. Like DWSL, EWLA, these are all the women's footballers associations. But the grassroots and the girls, I mean, you can't ask a girl for 250 euro to join a club before she kicks a ball. It's just, it's that's toning the girls straight away. This girl's probably from Oliver Bond, living in where a man, man, dad's a drinker, they've no money. And this girl is excellent at what she does at 13 years of age. And they're asking her for 250 euro. This is where the girls is walking away. They have to come to an arrangement with the for the likes of a girl like that that has no money right I'll give you a five or a week I'll give, but me personally asking a child of 13 years of age for 250 euro is a catastrophe it should not be happening from under six all the way up everyone should play free refs should be played by associations not the teams and this is where most of the money goes on refs and the pitch so they can't afford their insurance and their bags and their tracksuits so they have to get it off the player so this is where I feel more sponsors, more associations need to come in, sit down with everybody, come back with a plan that girls can just play, go and play football just for fun and not be asking for money and asking for stupid, stupid things off a girl and all she wants to do is just play football. See, I didn't give money when I was growing up. I wasn't heard of. I probably did when I was older. Like when I was playing with St. Catherine's, I gave a ton of soaps. But for kids... As Calvin says, how are you supposed to grow the grassroots if you're asking for this sort of money? So I don't know what. I think a, a new overall association mm. just for grassroots girls and bias should be set up where the grassroots is associated with senior. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It's in that category mm. where it shouldn't be. It should be six to eight years of age grassroots and then eight years of age up more grassroots and build on it, keep them building. But you need the likes of the sponsors to come in. You need the likes of the FAI. You need like AUL. But nobody's taking it. Nobody's grabbing a hold of it. So yeah, MGM, a national league for every single girl over Ireland has just been abolished. Just recently, like four or five weeks ago. It's absolutely disgraceful. And nobody's walking, stepping in and saying, here, where are these girls going to play? They've no leagues to play in now. So if they want to play, they have to come up to the DWSL, up to Dublin, to play in a league, a, a girls team. And this is where people have to come in and say, listen, if you do the grassroots, you start from the bottom. 
and walk your way up. But then that, they're starting in the middle yeah. and walking their way up. And it shouldn't be like that. Sort of forgetting about a whole generation, yes. basically. Yeah. Absolutely, Calvin. Yeah. My young one's only got started playing this year and you can see our confidence and when she steps on the pitch all our little mates they love yeah. it and it's it's bleeding deadlier it's isn't brilliant. it brilliant you know, as a parent when you look at it and you're like that doesn't look like my child out there you only know, see them exactly. expressing themselves yeah. and they're getting into it and they're talking about their friends and then when I'm watching the football she's coming in she's like I want to watch the football and you're like this is what you're missing out on That's you know what I mean what you're just at the saying she's not in her bedroom on a computer or on her phone no. you're looking at her enjoying herself mm. And it's free. Yeah. yeah. Like, football to me is free. It's freedom of expression. It's freedom of everything. And you're looking at your daughter expressing herself and she's not sitting in the room. Mm. But this is what we need. We need parents like you to get your daughter out and let her express herself. Mm. Where in grassroots, that's the only way you can do it, is get them out. Mm. And let them play in the playground. Let them mingle with the boys. Now the boys want the girls on their side. They didn't want them years ago, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, like, the likes of you as a parent getting your child out and sitting watching football, I did that 20 years ago with my dad, mm. you know? So, in 20 years' time, you could be going looking at your child playing for... I'll put a look, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I was saying it to us, I just listened to your coach. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I hate? Do you know when you see that... Because I, I had it grown up and then I seen it, I three younger brothers, seen it with mm. them and you had the parents on the sideline, mm. do this, do that, like me. There's a fella here who gives up his time Absolutely. four days of the week mm. To coach your child, let the child listen to him. So that's why I always say to her, I say, just listen, do what your coach tells you. Obviously, if the child comes back to you and says, Daddy, I don't like me coaching, you ask her why, obviously, I'm going to change that. Mm. But every single volunteer in Ireland is absolutely 100% brilliant. Brilliant. Like, I have Usher Celtic ladies, and I have 15 to 14 year olds coming to me, but I can't take them. Mm. They're too young. So I have to send them somewhere else. And when I send them to somewhere else, they're asking for money. Mm. I don't ask for money. I ask for nothing. All I ask for them girls is to give me €100 Euro to start of every season and that's for that insurance. And nothing, insurance and taxi. And that's all I get. Mm-hmm. A girl can't keep coming up every week handing a tenner, a tenner, a tenner. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, walking people can. So we get €10 Euro off the walkers and we get €5 Euro off the non-walkers. Mm-hmm. So you can't let them play for nothing. You know, because giving over a bit is a bit respect. And, you know, a bit of ethic, like, you have to pay. Yeah. You can't just get everything for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we try. It all depends on the individual and our circumstances. But we would not. That girl can't give us anything. She, she's not walking not away from us. Yeah. No, she's not. Mm-hmm. She'll stay there and we'll come up with a solution for her to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, wrap this one up then. Yeah. Yeah. Olivia, yeah, a legend. And uh, the another big bonus that's coming out of this resurgence that the women's team is getting here is the fact that people look at that and be like who's that on the telly oh, they're making history so they're making history by playing the national anthem in Windsor Park they're making history by getting to the World Cup and then people are going to look and be like who's the top scorer of the national team yeah. it's Olivia O'Till who was she <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it, that's what you're getting out of this yeah, and it's yeah. the legacy that you're leaving there. And as you said, Katie Taylor played probably the greatest sports person that's ever come out of this country. Yeah, yeah. She played for the women's team. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then you're going to look at it. People in 10, 15 years' time will look back and they'll say, Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan. Well, that's why like that's this. why I'm doing all this. It's get the next, next generation back into football. Mm. As Katie says, it's not only football. Kayla McCain is the runner. There's millions... There's millions of girls out there, the Rawa, Alicia Murphy. Mm. It's not only football for women's sport, it's every sport. And that's what we want, the next generation. Yeah, Rachel Blackmore as well, ah, the yeah, sport Rachel that's dominated Blackmore. by men. 
Right, so Blackmore's doing great. And things. I think uh, another girl that's probably going to become a world champion, I'm just predicting this, is Amy Broadhurst. Yeah. 100% that girl's going think to be that's a. Yeah. A yeah. yeah. 100%. And I love Amy, she's absolutely brilliant. She is going to be a world champion one day. Yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Olivia, you're a fucking legend. Thanks, thanks for coming into us. Guys, thanks very much, it was a pleasure. Yeah, and you want to plug while you're here, Olivia, and they've got coming up or anything? Uh, no, not really, nothing coming up. Um, just was at the match last night, it's finished now till next April. We start off next April. Yeah. The girls. So get yeah. behind the fucking. Ah, uh, yeah, so, get yeah. behind the girls. Anyone out there with sponsors and big businesses, just get behind the girls. There's plenty of money and plenty of generation for your company as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, take us out there, Siobhan. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you fucking in? Just a little The hip knocker.